if I am in the place I have to be this next year, I'm going to keep going, keep going, give it a hundred percent. That's kind of the vision I had. That was Northeastern sophomore Phil de Blasi. He'll share his inspiring story next on the Base Path Podcast. Welcome to the Base Path Podcast brought to you by New England Baseball Journal. We're back for one final edition before Christmas, and we have a special guest that captures the spirit of the holiday season. I'm Dan Guttenplan along with Matt Feld. Today's guest is Northeastern sophomore Phil de Blasi, who recently completed a 13-month cycle of radiation and chemotherapy to combat a diagnosis of medulloblastoma, a type of brain cancer. Phil, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I saw a couple, I think it was at the end of November, you tweeted out that you had just completed 13 months of chemo. How are you feeling? How is everything going right now? And I assume you're in remission? Yeah, so December 28th is the day I get my after treatment scans, those are the big scans, to decide whether or not cancer-free. So fingers crossed for those, but I feel a lot better right now. Um, I saw Matt yesterday. I was in the facility trying to throw, get get more done. I think now that I'm done with chemotherapy, my energy starts to come back and I'm able to do more than I could say even like three months ago. So yeah, I feel great. I feel great. Phil, you, you mentioned, I saw you in the facility yesterday and you were, and you were playing catch. Can you just speak to some of the progress you've made the last couple of weeks and, and some of the, I'm sure you feel a little liberated and you probably have a feel a sense of freedom in some respects. Yeah, no, definitely. That's a great way to put it. I mean, progress I've made, even in the last couple of weeks, it has, it has been a lot. And I think to really, really grasp it, you got to look at the last, last few months. When I first started throwing, the ball would come out of my hand. It would just go directly to the right or to the left. It wouldn't really go forward at all. And now I'm able to play catch up to like 40 feet. And that's still a work in progress. But like you said, that's liberating. That's, that's made me so good. And uh, having all those things going right, seeing progress and all those things, whether it be physically, mentally, that that boosts my morale and makes me happy and motivates me. Phil, I want to go back to when you initially recognized symptoms that w- caused you to kind of get this addressed. Because okay. I think being a D1, high-end D1 athlete, you probably took for granted the physical gifts that you had been given and the hard work and getting your body to kind of do the things that you wanted it to do through hard work. What was, what initially popped up that made you think, hey, something might be wrong here? Yeah. So I think to fully understand the story, we have to start back in 2019. I just recently committed to Northeastern. I felt great. I went down to Florida, did, did well down there. We came back up and now I, I've only been a pitcher for about one and a half, two months. Cause I was the catcher beforehand. I made the switch to pitcher in about two weeks in July. So I was a, I was a brand new pitcher getting all my workouts done, pitcher specific workouts and then boom, COVID hit and I really didn't know what to do. So I started feeling, yeah, I started throwing, 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 and I felt a a little notch in my, and because it wasn't like very important to be seen, I had to wait until June. So I had to shut down all of May, get seen in June. And they diagnosed you with the labor tear. I was like, okay, I've got a second opinion. And the other doctor came back and said, it's a, it's a spring labor. So I had to shut down all the gym, 
And I rest- I started throwing again in July of 2020. And for some reason, this labor and tear or labor and strain, could, it was, it was nagging me. It wouldn't go away. So I had to sh- shut down completely and just rehab. So I rehab from July 2020 to October 2020. And I feel when I was done with that rehab, come the off season. So now we're just getting into 2021, like January. Come that off season, I started throwing bullpens again. I felt like I was in the best shape of my life. I was ready to go out there, ready to compete. And then fast forward to the season. The season started late that year because of COVID and all that. So I think the season started in late April. Fast forward to a couple of weeks before the season, I tore my hamstring on my right side. And, you know, that obviously stunk, but that wasn't, I, I think that's what kind of kicked it off. And from, from there on, just things that I'd be able to do with no problem started becoming a little tougher. My right side internally became slower than my left side. And what I mean by that is like, I watched film and stuff. I was like, what am I doing wrong? I can't control the ball out of my hand. I, I know feeling my fingers, what, what's going on? And all the film looks fine. All the film looks fine, but just the fact that I was losing control on my right side and the fact that it was a little slower kind of threw me off. So I dealt with that from April to August and it got progressively worse as time went on. And I knew something was wrong, um, but I just wanted to play. I just wanted to play. I haven't played in two years. And I was, and I was like, you know what, whatever it is, I can get through it if I just nail treatment, nail soft tissue, go in the weight room and get better. I can, I can beat it, whatever it is. So, but it just got, it, it got really bad. It got to the point where I couldn't grip my phone, couldn't grip a fork in the night, couldn't rent my own name. It got bad. And in September, exactly a month after I moved into Northeastern, it was after a practice during the week, a team practice during the week where I was told to come into the team training office and get a checkup, see how my knees doing my right side, my right knee, my right arm. See, like just to check up on those things. And the trainer told me, you gotta go see a team doctor. And when I went to go see the team doctor, he had me do a bunch of tests where I put one foot in front of the other and balance on one foot, et cetera. And I failed those miserably. So. Now I'm sitting there and he's like, all right, you got to go to Mass General and get an emergency neural evaluation. And yeah, that's when I found out that night. Looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on New England baseball? New England Baseball Journal and BaseballJournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the New England baseball scene. Have every issue of New England Baseball Journal, the magazine, delivered to your home or office. And don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to BaseballJournal.com to receive baseball coverage on clubs, college commits, prep and high school, Division 1, 2, and 3 colleges, showcases, rankings, and much more. Get in the game and behind the scenes now by going to BaseballJournal.com. Just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today. New England Baseball Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful.
Phil, baseball's kind of been at the core of your life, I feel like, for, for as long as you've been around. Your younger brother plays baseball, of course. Where does kind of your love for, for baseball come from and what makes you want to keep pursuing your goal of playing at the collegiate level? Yeah, I guess to start off my love for baseball, when I was born, there was a picture of me. He put a glove and a little bat in my hand, and I think that's kind of grown to what I am today. There's been many good times where, you know, I've been deterred. I've been told no for something baseball related, but I kept working. And I just love it so much where I'm not satisfied until I get what I need. And I think the fact that I've met so many great people in baseball, whether it be from travel teams, college teams, former and current scouts, like it's, it's been amazing. It's, it's, it's truly like the, the cliche phrase is, the baseball family, but it truly is a family to me. I think without some of the people that would, that made sacrifice to me, that have sat late and held me, watched film with me, I wouldn't be where I am today. And I think to get back is not only a success for myself, it's a success for all the work that people put in to get me to this point. So I think I owe it to myself. Most of all, I think I owe it to them too. Absolutely. I, I know there's got to be so many people that are inspired by your story. And you hear about the way that the news gets delivered sometimes, you know, that to people who, hey, you have this cancer, this, these are the chances of survival. This is what you're looking at in terms of treatment. What do you remember about the way that was delivered to you? And what were the, what were your first couple of thoughts that you had? Yes. So it's kind of funny, actually. So I couldn't get the, I went to the ER at Mass General at two o'clock on uh, September 28th. I didn't get an MRI until like 12 a.m. So I'd stay overnight, obviously. And when I came back off from the MRI, I just fell asleep. And it was about 1.30, at 1.30, they walked in, they told me, we found a, a mass on your brainstem. And we had to do emergency surgery tomorrow to get her removed. At this point, they didn't know whether it was cancer, just a mass, because they had to do some, do some tests, surgery to figure that out. But I said, wow, all right. They said, we call your parents. I said, yeah, just tell them I'll be fine. And uh, yeah, let's, let's do it. And I went back to sleep. So I knew I had a, a big day ahead of me the next 24 hours. And I said, you know what? I have to get, get my mind right and get myself right for that surgery. And when they told me it was cancer, I was laid out, all drugged out in the surgery and all that. It was an eight hour surgery. So it was a long one. And yeah, they told me it was cancer and they told me right then and there, they said, Hey, there's no nerve damage. There's no damage to the brain. Um, there's a chance you could come back from this. It's going to take time. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take a lot of time, but there's a chance that you could come back from this. That's all I need, man. That's all I need was to know that the doctors told me that there's a chance because, you know, doctors are honest. They'll tell you one way or another how things are going. And for them telling me that there's a chance and, and throughout treatment and throughout chemotherapy, they, they've kept that same opinion. That's meaningful to me. Phil, can you speak to some of your better memories playing? You mentioned high school travel baseball. You got the chance to to play with some really big time teammates, of course, and, and teammates that I know are still really close friends with you. What are some of the memories that you have of, of playing baseball when you were younger? Yeah, I think I got to start with my best memory, probably with Tim Danu, head, 
had a nor'easters. He, he brought me back to nor'easters and went down to that, that, that whole summer when I was, I think 17 years old was amazing. We went down to Georgia, to New Jersey, and just the com the camaraderie of that team and the, the effect the coaches had and all of us and how they were kind of laid back but at the same time they want want to push us. That was awesome. That was awesome. I think a lot of the teams I've I have i been on have kind of stemmed from that model where the team's just gone along so well and and the coaches have they pushed us and, and I I I think that makes the best environment. So when it comes to like baseball memory and stuff, I don't think playing supplies any good memories. I think just being on those good teams that gets a good play out of you. And that's definitely helped me. That's definitely helped me in the fact that I'm able to turn into my infield and, and they're all room for me. Look at my outfield, they're all room for me. My catch is room for me. Bench, coach, they're all room for me. And 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 that's that's been great. Um when you when you look back to I mean, it's amazing that you had that reaction to your diagnosis, like, hey, let's go. We gotta get this taken care of. And it seems like your attitude today is unbelievable considering what you've been through. Were there, have you been able to maintain that over the last, whatever it's been, 13, 14 months? Or were there times where you said, this is just too much. I can't believe I'm, it's radiation, it's surgery, it's chemo. Like that's, those are heavy hands that you were dealt. No, definitely not. Definitely not. I was told early on that there are going to be bad days and I didn't really know what the bad days were. And then I started to figure that out. I think once I started, I, I, I moved back home from the hospital and I started to just, my day would include waking up, going downstairs, getting breakfast, watching TV because I couldn't do anything else. And that kind of took an effect on me. That kind of took an effect on me. It's like, this is my life now. This is what I do every single day. And when I started PT, neurological PT and OT, it was even tougher. Because I was taking a lot of time to do tasks that I could do like this. And it, 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 it just wasn't fun. It, it, it wasn't something I could smile about. If I would make a little bit of progress, I, I, it wouldn't make me, I, I think as that continued, that continued to beat me down. I think the months of May, June, July, that kind of middle ground month, and those are the toughest months of my life that hands down, I told coach Glavin, I said, coach. I don't think I can do this anymore. I don't think there's a possibility of me coming back. I'm just seeing no progress. I was seeing little to no progress. And I was, I was down the dumps, as I say. And, but luckily that all, that all changed around in August where I started to, when I was able to drive, I was medically clear to do that. I was, I was seeing progress and what I could do at the gym and, and, and throwing a little bit and, and doing some like the functional stuff around the house where you can't really using a fork and knife or, or riding a little bit. So that progress has played a negative and a positive part in these last 14 months where it's, it's gone from I'm done. I'm, I'm never coming back. I'm never doing anything to, I'm going to give it everything I got these, these next, this next year and reevaluate from there. Phil, what's the support been like from Northeastern, from your teammates there and from the coaching staff over these last year? Yeah, they've been great. They've been great. It's, it's amazing. Like I said earlier, like the, the cliche phrase, baseball family. I got there and within a month I was out. They didn't really have time to warm up to me. I didn't have time to get to know, but 
this port from last year's team was amazing. This year's team is amazing. Coach Glavin, Coach Cobb, Coach Puccio have all been ready to go, ready to support me, ready to get whatever I need when I come back to campus. They've, they've been, they've been awesome. My teammates, they all, on my last day of chemotherapy, they all surprised me and they all filled up the hallway. And that was a surreal sight. That was a, a moment where, you know, that I won't forget because that, that was, that was just awesome. Something that they didn't have to do, but they did it and I couldn't believe it. So yeah, their support, even from the athletic to Jim Madigan, like the whole athletic department has been just amazing. The, I cannot, I can't think of a better, better, better place to call home than Northeastern, right? I, I'm, I'm so glad that's the place I chose. And it's definitely paid dividends during the most pressing times. It is amazing to have that support of being on a college team while you're going through that. Because if you think about, you just got to Northeastern as a freshman, you were trying to establish your social circle. And this happened at the very beginning. Uh-huh. Might not have that support. That's amazing. How do you think you've changed as a person from, I guess it would probably be when you started feeling these symptoms or maybe from when you committed to Northeastern, when everything was going so well to, to now, how do you think it will impact the rest of your life, this experience? Yeah, I think change has definitely happened. Change has definitely happened, but right now I'm, I'm more of a result driven person. I know I have to get to a certain point. But I'm not rushed to get there. So let me do what I need to do my time to get to that point. Um, I think beforehand I was trying to impress everybody where I was like, oh, I'm going to do this to impress that person, to impress this person. But now I understand that things might be a little tougher than they were beforehand. I might not have as much ability to do things. So let me do it on my pace. And I think I'm, I'm more motivated than I was. I, you know, I think I have, I have a reason to, when you have the people reach out to you and say, Hey man, I'm pulling for you. I think you can do this. You want to prove them right. You want to prove them right. And that's kind of mentality I have where it's like, yeah, I'll prove them right. But at my pace, it, it's something that I, I want to work on and her vows to help me or wants to help me in this situation, they vow to give me a hundred percent. I'll give it a hundred percent right back, right back to them. And, but definitely more of a just laid back, relaxed kind of person now. Phil, the, the holidays, of course, are next week. Christmas is next week. I, I have to assume they must feel a real, little relief and a little happiness that this Christmas is probably going to feel a little different with your family than, than last year's did. Yeah, no, definitely. Last year's, last year's Christmas didn't feel like Christmas. I, I, I just finished radiation. I was tired. I slept most of the time. It, and I, I, I haven't, I, I think I had four chemo sessions under my belt and I wasn't feeling too hot. This year he's over, chemotherapy's over three days after, or well, four days after Christmas, I'll be able to find out from cancer free. So there's a lot of excitement going around. I'm able to go back to the gym, go back to the facility and, and throw and stuff. Yeah. I, I, I feel great right now. I, I can't wait to see all my family. They've all supported me as well. And seeing them and being around for them is, it's, it's great. I can't wait. Was the chemotherapy the, the most draining part, I guess? I mean, I, it sounds like it's just so taxing on the body. Like how often were you doing it? What were those days like? 
Yeah. So I 30 sessions, one of the longer tenure of chemotherapy they could give. And what I did was I did four every Friday at the end of November and the beginning of December. So that went from like, yeah, end of November to beginning of December. And then I had cycles. They were the A and B cycles where I'd have three and then three weeks off and three and three weeks off. So I did that from January to, excuse me, February to November. And this year, and that was brutal. That was, that was tough because when I first started, my body was just getting used to it and I would feel nauseous. I would feel my head would start hurting. I'd feel dizzy. I'd feel, and on top of everything else, on top of the, the whole right side not working, that was tough to combat. But when I started working out and, and getting my blood flowing a little better, it didn't really task me as much. It still was take two steps forward in the right direction. I have a chemotherapy appointment. I take 10 steps back. That's how it was. But physically, it wouldn't task me that much in, in those later months. And I, you know, I definitely attribute that to me moving around more, me focusing more on what I put in my body. Hydration, hydration was so important through all this. And just being able to be free and return to my life beforehand, I, I, I think seeing turf instead of seeing tile in a doctor's office made a huge difference. And so, yeah, I mean, it was, it was tough. It definitely was tough. I'm not going to downplay it, but it got better as time went on. It definitely got better as time went on. Phil, uh, you mentioned it too, in terms of your family, of course, has been right there with you also. Can you just speak to being a, a role model to, to your younger brother, who of course also is, is all in on playing baseball, it seems like, and, and just the relationship that you have with him? Yeah, no, definitely. He wants to be like me. He he, he wanted to pitch because I pitch. He wanted to play baseball because I play baseball. And I think, you know, setting the best example is the least I can do for him. When when things get tough, show him whether it be this or whether it be something baseball. But when things get tough, show him that, hey, it's still possible. You just got to put your nose down, your head down and grind. And, it will, it, 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 and if you put 100% into it, you'll get a hundred percent out. And I think that's so important to him because he's still 11 years old. He has a long, a long ways to go. If he decides to play baseball, when he gets older. But I think teaching him life lessons where you can do this, you can do that is so valuable. It's so valuable to him. And he's, he's kind of like the person that needs to be turned up by his coaches. I was kind of the person that needs to be toned down. So I think providing that medium where I can say, Hey, do this. And he can say, no, no, I don't want to do that. It's great. And we're able to connect so well when he, when he really thinks about what he wants to do and how to do it, we're able to connect so well. He listens, he listens, he's very talented. I think, I think when it's all said and done, he'll be better than me. I think I'm looking at him. He has a lot of, he has a size, he has all that stuff. I'm saying, Hey, Thomas, man, you just do this, this, and this, get those things right. You'll be great. You'll be good. Yeah. And regardless of whether he ends up playing baseball or not, the example you've set for overcoming challenges, we're all going to face them in life. And what a great example you've set to him. The last question I have for you is, is there, is there some happy ending that you have in mind for this story? Like, would it be getting back on the mound at Northeastern or when you're, 
you've been in this grind for the last year and a half and you've got these important dates coming up. Is it just day to day? Yeah. I mean, right now, so I learned this last year that having expectations isn't good. Being expecting yourself to on two months, I'm going to be able to throw bullpens and do whatever. I can't have that. So I guess in the short, short term, it's day to day. But when I look long term, I want to get back in the mound. I feel like this is a good story no matter what, no matter what I do, no matter what the outcome is. But I want to get back in the mound. I want to prove to myself that, hey, you were completely written off, not in a bad way, not not by anybody, but you, you sort of completely just just thrown away. You, you, you didn't really have any anything to look forward to. You, you, your life got turned upside down. You, you worked hard for a Division One scholarship, and now you're not going to be able to exercise that. So you, you don't really have anything going for you. So I want to prove to myself, knowing all that, that. I can still do it. I, I want to get back to the field eventually, but if that can't happen, that's not something I'm going to push. If, if I put my body through a lot these last 14 months, I'm tired, but at the same time, I'm motivated. I'm, 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 I'm happy to be where I am. I'm happy to have the support I have. And I think with all that, my work ethic and I think with all that, that I can make something happen. So, I mean, I guess I just have to see, I have to see where I'm, where I'm at. And if I'm not in the place where I need to be, I'm not going to, I'm not going to push it. I'm not going to put myself at risk, but if I am in the place I have to be, then you bet that I'm going to, this next year, I'm going to keep going, keep going, give it a hundred percent. And yeah, that's, that's kind of the vision I have. That's awesome. Well, you're doing great, Phil. I really appreciate you taking the time this holiday season. I'm sending strength your your way and your family's way. I hope it's a much more enjoyable season for you this year, and we'll be following you all the way. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Phil. No problem. Thank you. Thanks to Phil de Blasi for sharing his inspiring story on the Base Path Podcast. Rate, review, subscribe to the Base Path Podcast on your preferred platform. Thanks to our producer, David Yaz. The Base Path Podcast is a Siemens Media production.